Praise the Lord. You are listening to a word from the Lord, a radio and internet ministry of the Refuge Temple Church of Burlington, North Carolina. Refuge Temple Church is located in the heart of Burlington, NC at 152 North Main Street. Our pastor is Bishop Reginald J. Davis. Refuge Temple Church is a spirit-filled, Bible-believing, multicultural ministry ordained by Jesus Christ to serve him, his kingdom, and the community from Main Street to the world. We welcome you to join us now for anointed music and the word of God. Give the Lord praise. God bless you. Those in the sanctuary remain standing with us and those who are watching, you can join us in your Bibles right now to in the book of 1 Peter. 1 Peter. Thank you, Lord. Chapter number 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. And we're going to read verses 1 through 13. 1 Peter chapter number 4. Verses 1 through 13. Hallelujah. When you have it, say amen. First Peter chapter number four and verse one. For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that has suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. For the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lasciviousness, lust, excessive wine, revelings, banquetings, and abominable idolatries, wherein they think it strange that you run not with them to the same excess of right, speaking evil of you, who shall give account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead. For this cause was the gospel preached also to them that are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirit. But the end of all things is at hand. Be therefore sober and watch unto prayer. And above all things have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Use hospitality one to another, without grudging. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice, inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. Lest you can be seated, I want to talk to you for a few moments on the subject. I cannot be like everyone else. I cannot be like everybody else. And if I could lift up as a sub-theme today, it's time to change. Just look at somebody and say, it's time for change. It's time for change. We've been talking since last Sunday about the 
principle of holiness. Principle of holiness, which is constantly addressed by the scripture and constantly addressed, should be addressed in the church. Um, I made this clear last Sunday, and I want to say it again today, that holiness is not a denomination. I know there are some organizations, reformations that use holiness in their name, and there's nothing wrong with that. But if you think that holiness is just simply the church that you go to, then you have missed what holiness really is. It's more than that. It, it, it is a part of the identity of everybody that is a believer. And contrary to what some people believe, holiness is not simply changing your wardrobe. Even though people who are holy have a level of conservatism and modesty about them because that's a reflection of their commitment to God. It is not simply stepping away from bad habits. Just giving up smoking or drinking doesn't by itself make you holy. That's a change of habit. It's a healthy change of habit, but that by itself is not holiness. And holiness is not simply going to church because just because somebody goes to church doesn't mean that they're holy. I made this point last Sunday that holiness is a lifelong process. It will take you the rest of your life to be holy. Say amen, somebody. It'll take you the because holiness is that process by which you submit and surrender yourself to God so that he can be glorified in your life. And it is a lifelong process. There's a problem with folk who become instantly holy. And if I could be very honest with you, they usually don't last. Come on, somebody. Because they did it just because people were looking at them. They did it just because somebody was considering them. Yes, there's transformation. When we're saved, we are immediately transformed. But it is a growth process. God growing in us. God living through us. God revealing himself to, through us in such a way that it impacts our behavior, our conduct, and our lives. And when someone embraces holiness, it changes thoughts, it changes words, it changes conduct, it changes attitudes, it changes decision, and it even changes how we respond to life. And so last Sunday we talked a little bit about the impact in verse 1 and 2 of 1 Peter about what holiness does as it relates to our submission to God. And even that submission to God is reflected in suffering. Sometimes suffering comes in order to teach us some things about ourselves and to teach us some things about God. But, but there's another aspect I want to deal with today, and, that, and that's primarily found in verses 3, 4, and 5. And that's going to be our focus for the next few moments. And that is that holiness addresses a portion about us that sometimes makes us uncomfortable. Because holiness sometimes confronts our behaviors. And, 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 and many times, and, and so I, I, I prepared this message knowing that most of y'all will be quiet for most of the time I'm preaching today. Because when you start talking about what people do, people get uncomfortable. Come on, somebody, okay, okay, okay. Just, just nod if you don't want to say amen, just nod. When you start talking about my behavior, because I'm very good at talking about your behavior. Lord, I need an honest witness in this church. I can tell you everything that you are doing wrong. I can tell you everything that is not working, everything that God's not pleased with, everything that God is going to judge. But when you start talking to me about my behavior, 
it changes the tenor of the conversation. And so a lot of us get defensive, a lot of us get angry, a lot of us respond because we think we know about other people and we use that as our mechanism of defending ourselves when in reality it ought to be about us transforming into a way that pleases God. Never, never, listen to me, never become holy because of what somebody told you you're supposed to do. Become holy because of the transformation that has taken place in your life. What has the Lord done for you that has caused change to take place? You know, holiness confronts our behaviors. And holiness um, has this strange habit of getting in our business. Talks to us about our excesses. Talks to us about our sexual behavior talks to us about what we consume in our bodies, how we present ourselves, and what we value or what we worship. Because holiness is really about what you worship. What do you hold in high regard? What do you hold at a level of prominence? And if your desire is to please the Lord, and this is what I really want to drive at, because it's not about keeping a whole lot of rules. That, 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 that's not going to make you holy. But if you desire to please God, you will change and you will ask God to help you change, not because of what somebody else is saying, but because as the, as the praise team sang eloquently, I want to hear him say, well done. Oh, hallelujah. I, I, I have long gotten past worrying about what church folk have to say about me. Because one of the things about church folk is that they have the beam and the, and, and the moat mentality. They will go after that little limp ball on your shoulder and they'll be buried under a boulder. Come on, somebody. Because they're more concerned about you than they are about themselves. You know what? I want all of y'all to go to heaven, but the first one I want to make it is me. I'm not going to lie about it. I want all of y'all to make it. I'm going to look for you there. But the first name I want to see on the roll is mine. Oh, hallelujah. I want my kids to make it. I want my wife to make it. But the first name I want to see on the roll is mine. And, I, and, and as much as I love you, I cannot consume myself with your behavior and miss seeing Jesus for myself. Somebody's going to be lost, not because of anything other than they had their eyes too fixated on people. They had their And you know what? When you are fixated on people, the devil will always show you the Christian that is not living right. He'll take you past a hundred people that are trying to do what is right and show you the one jack leg. Come on, somebody. That's hypocrite. When there are a lot of people that don't claim to be perfect, but we're trying. Anybody trying in here today? Oh, God. I, I, I'll testify. I got some hang-ups and some issues and stuff I'm praying and fasting on, but in my heart I'm trying to see Jesus. But you will miss that and see the hypocrite. You will miss that and see the person that is not trying to do anything other than waste your time. Holiness changes how we live because holiness shifts us out of our flesh and we begin living in the spirit. The fundamental difference between the believer and the non-believer is not always what they do. Because you can put two people side by side, and they essentially look about the same. And sometimes their habits are similar. 
But what is different between the believer and the non-believer is that the believer is not doing it for any other reason other than they are living in the spirit and the presence of God. And that's why in reality, you will never live to please God in your flesh. You can only please God by living in the spirit. And you can't live in the spirit until you are filled with the spirit. Okay, let me say that again because somebody missed that. You can't live in the spirit until you're filled with the spirit. And that's why I am so excited that I am filled with the Holy Ghost. Am I in the presence of spirit-filled people today? Everybody that is filled with the Holy Ghost, just do something, say something. Do something that says, yes, the Lord is living inside of me. Because that life change of the spirit is what creates the capacity for me to live and to please God. And so don't be surprised with those who share these past experience but fail to understand the change. You're going to meet people on a regular basis that have done some things, but they never changed. And, 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 and the real purpose of holiness is to transform your life into a life that pleases God. And, and that's why Peter points out some things, and I just want to raise this for a moment in verse 3. For in times past of your life may suffice to have wrought the will of the Gentiles, or the will of unrighteous people, that you walked in lasciviousness, you walked in your feelings, you walked in your lust, you walked in what you wanted, in the excess, excess of wine, revelings, banquetings. In other words, you just kind of did the thing that you wanted to do because you wanted to please you. Now, I'm going to say this. You know, I, I know church um, speak is that the Lord saved me from a miserable life of sin, but if your whole life of sinning was miserable, you were not doing it right. Lord, help me preach this. There was something about your sin that you enjoyed. That's why you fought to let it go. Somebody help me. Somebody be honest with me today. You had to pray. You had to cry. You had to get in the word. And you had to have somebody help you because it was a part of it that was pleasure. But when you understand that that pleasure was going to cost me my life, that pleasure was going to cost me my soul, something on the inside convicted me because, yes, you can have a good time. But the Bible says that the pleasure of sin only lasts for a season. That means it's going to come and it's going to go. But I need something that will carry me beyond the season into immortality. And the only thing that will carry me into immortality is a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, let me just tell you this because maybe some preachers don't, but Jesus Christ is funny about his relationships. He will accept anybody, but he won't accept anything. I'm going to say that one more time. He will accept anybody because if he did not accept anybody, I would not be standing here preaching to you. He will accept anybody, but he won't accept anything. And what he really wants is an exclusive relationship with you. You know the first commandment, thou shalt have no other God beside me. What is it in your life that you love more than God, that you're not willing to surrender to Jesus Christ? That if it costs me this friendship, if it costs me this if it costs me this activity, I am willing to lay it on the altar because I want to please Jesus. A few minutes, we're going to take communion. And communion 
reminds the believer about the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. We take the bread because the bread is an emblem of the broken body of Jesus. We take the wine because the wine is an emblem of his shed blood. And it reminds us of the sacrifice. But how is it that we will accept the sacrifice of Jesus and offer him nothing in return? Think about that. We benefit from the sacrifice of Jesus. But when was the last time you asked the Lord, what do you want from me? You have given me so much, I wouldn't even be alive if you hadn't given me yourself. You should have left me in my sin, but you love me out of my sin. And I'm supposed to just walk in and not give you anything? You gave me life. You gave me strength. You gave me grace. You gave me mercy because I have not been doing it the way I'm supposed to do it. But you kept me alive to bring me to this moment. And I'm not supposed to give you anything? David said, what shall I render unto the Lord? For all of the, maybe I'm preaching to the wrong church. Anybody grateful for the sacrifice? Oh, anybody grateful for the sacrifice? Now, the sac when you when you get gratitude, oh God, when somebody's really been good to you, you want to give them something in exchange for what they've given to you. The Lord gave his precious life in exchange for my worthless life. I can't sit here and say, God, I don't owe you anything. Oh God, in fact, if I would be honest, I will always be in debt to God. He will never owe me anything, but I will spend the rest of my life trying to pay back what he has given to me. So what does the Bible say? The Bible says, present your body a living sacrifice. But that sacrifice comes through transformation. I'm almost done. Romans chapter 8, verse 1 says that there is therefore now no condemnation them that are in Christ Jesus. Bishop, I've done so many things that the Lord ought to send me to hell yesterday. But because I'm in Christ, there's no condemnation. Okay, somebody didn't catch that. I've done so much, I've disobeyed, I've wandered, I've strayed so much that I ought to be lost right now. But because I'm in Christ, there's no condemnation. Y'all ever played tag? Anybody ever played tag as a kid? Tag was all about getting to the base. Come on, somebody. As long as you got to the base before you got tagged, you were safe. Y'all ain't, okay, y'all missed this. Come on, somebody. I was running around. I need an honest witness. I was doing things ungodly, and I heard that Jesus was coming, and death was chasing me. But before hell could get me, I got to the base, and I'm 
Shatam. Anybody safe in here? I should have been lost. I should have gone to hell. But before the devil could catch me, before death could take me away, I made it to the base. Oh, God, the enemy tried to tag you. The enemy tried to tag me. But you ought to be thanking God right now that before he could tag me, I was declared safe. Oh, God. Now let me just tell you this. I got to wrap up here. The only way to stay safe is to stay on base. Oh, come on, somebody. If you venture off the base, you might get tagged before you can get back. Oh, God, but while I'm in the safe place, while I'm under the shelter of the Almighty, while I'm covered by the blood, Lord, let me stay in the safe place. Kashatama. Oh, God. The enemy's trying to tease you, brother. Enemy's trying to tease you, sister. Trying to get you to leave the base. But you better know I'm in a safe place. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge. He is my fortress. He is my God. In him will I trust. But look at what Paul says. There's therefore no condemnation to them that in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. I'm excited because no matter where I've come from, there's been a change in my life. And I know we're all in our Sunday morning. Oh God, but I wish I had an honest witness that there's somebody here that used to be a liar. There's somebody here that used to be a fornicator. There's somebody here that used to be a drunk. There's somebody here that used to be a crackhead. There's somebody here that used to be a crack dealer. But one day, I was washed in the blood of Jesus. And here's the good news. It doesn't matter what you've done. When you're washed, you're washed. People might remember your past. They might remember where you've come from. But it doesn't really matter if I'm washed in the blood. I'm thanking God that I'm saved. Oh, hallelujah. I know there are folk that don't forget anything. They remember every mistake you made, but that's what separates God from everybody else. He doesn't remember. The Bible says that he cast our sin as far as the east is from the west. So you can bring it up all day long. But here's the good news. I've already been to the water, and I've already been baptized. I've already received the Holy Ghost, and I feel, I feel all right. Is there anybody in this church that's blood washed? Just don't look at me. Do something that says, thank God, I've been washed. Thank God, I've been free. Thank God, my life has changed. Oh my God, the enemy will come after you because everybody got a pass and everybody got a trigger. There's enough. If the devil dangles it, it'll entice your flesh. But thank God for the word that there, oh hallelujah, if any man be in Christ Jesus, he is a new creature. Talk about me, but I'm new. Lie about me, but I'm new. Put my business on social media, but I'm new. 
be in Christ Jesus. He's a new creature. Any new creatures in here? Any new creations in here? Look across the aisle and say, I'm new. Oh, God. Now, they've made that phrase an insult now. Ever had one of your old friends say, you acting new? You acting brand new? Well, maybe it is because I am brand new. Oh, God. Some people get uncomfortable with your change. And the Lord told me to tell somebody today, everybody's not going to celebrate your change. Everybody's not going to endorse your change. But the only person that matters is, does Jesus endorse my change? Oh, hallelujah. And here's what the Bible says, that heaven starts rejoicing over one sinner that comes to repentance. I don't understand the saints. People get saved, and we sit around like pain is dry. Oh, my God. People get baptized, and we act like we don't care. But don't you know somebody is sitting here about to make a life decision. Oh, God, to give up the old way and give themselves to the Lord. And if you love souls like you're supposed to love souls, you start rejoicing right now because somebody, oh, God, has made a decision that I can't be like everybody else. I know everybody is doing this and everybody is doing that and everybody got four wives and everybody's living the gay life and everybody's running the street everybody's being a gangster that's why the bible says broad is the way be careful oh god i made a decision a while ago that if i see everybody running in one way before i start running i'm gonna find out where they're going to come on somebody because i've watched folk run to disaster true story i was flying to new york and u.s airways was still in business and they canceled my flight to New York. And so it was a plane load of people that had nowhere to go. And they were, the, the gate people were frustrated. They sent a manager out and he was no help. And they had a flight going to Philadelphia. Now, just for geography, Philadelphia and New York are not the same place. For geography, Philadelphia is 100 miles from New York. But the guy got on the intercom and said, everybody who wants to go to New York, get on this plane. Everybody started running to the gate, Brandon. Something said to me, you better ask, what happens when we get to Philadelphia? And so I walked up to the manager, and I said, well, when we get to Philadelphia, are you going to get us to New York? He said, no, when you get to Philly, you are on your own. And I watched that crowd of folk thinking they were on their way to the right place. Come on, somebody. Kind of sound like us. Y'all ain't saying nothing. Because everybody is doing something. You think you're going to the right place. You better ask somebody. Oh, Satan, I'm Before you get on that plane, you better ask somebody, will this take me where I need to go? If I'm trying to go to heaven, I don't need to get on the plane to hell, but I better ask somebody, is this plane going?
went to heaven. They jumped on that plane and went off. And me and three other folk, this is years ago, had to cross the highway to get from one side of RDU to the other side of RDU. But when I sat in that seat and put my seatbelt on, I knew I was on my way to my destination. That's the word, saints. Before you put on your seat, before you fasten your seatbelt, before they shut that door, you better make sure that I'm on my way to the right place. Oh, Gotta make sure I'm on my way to the right place. And if anybody offers you a salvation that does not require change, you're on the wrong plane. Come on, somebody. If anybody offers you a faith that doesn't mandate repentance, you're on the wrong plane. If anybody offers you a seat on a plane that doesn't say, none but the pure in heart shall see God, you on the wrong plane. Y'all ain't hearing me. Anybody offer you a seat on the plane and it doesn't say one Lord, one faith, one baptism, you on the wrong plane. Oh, God. Anybody doesn't offer you a faith that says except a man be born of the water and the spirit, he cannot see the kingdom of God. We sincerely hope that you were blessed by this broadcast today. If you desire prayer or want more information about our church, please call us at 336-570-3664. Again, that's 336-570-3664. You can also go to our website for more information about our ministry at www.refugetemplenc.com. Again, that's www.refugetemplenc.com. Pastor Reginald and Lady Charity Davis and the Refuge Temple family would like to invite you to worship with us whenever you are in the Burlington area. If this ministry has blessed you, please write to us at P.O. Box 3552, Burlington, N.C., 27215. That's P.O. Box 3552, Burlington, N.C., 27215. Or email us, info at refugetemplenc.com. That's info at refugetemplenc.com. God bless you, and until next time, shalom, shalom. <laughs>